You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders. I'm Michaela, I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today I'm your host. Today I'm joined by four senior leaders within the Melbourne tech community. In this episode, we will be discussing using data to drive business decisions. Before we jump into the questions, it would be great to meet our panelists. I'll start with you, Austin. Do you want to introduce yourself and kick things off? Um, yeah, I work at Bunnings um, at the moment, looking after the marketing, digital and membership side of uh, the business. Um, I'm an analytics business partner, so my job is to run front into the business um, and then lead our analytics and data and BI team supporting that side of the business. Uh, Background-wise, um, I originally an economist um, and have found my way across a range of digital roles and then, yeah, at Bunnings today. Thanks, Austin. Reshma, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Hi, thank you for having me in today's uh, podcast. Um, I am Reshma Devi. I'm a risk specialist with experience in technology, security and data. And I've spent over 20 years working between Australia and New Zealand. My current role at Tron7 involves managing data risk and information management. And my representation in today's podcast are my own personal experience and opinions and not representing my workplace in any way. I'm very passionate about security of data and emerging data challenges. Um, and um, I love anything data related and I've got a keen interest in AI models and uh, from a risk perspective. I'm also a Thrive Leadership Coach and I'm passionate about women transitioning between careers and assisting women to thrive in their careers in, in their careers or in their personal life. And I'm also passionate about helping students with mentoring and guiding them in the technology and STEM space. Fantastic. Thanks, Reshma. Yushan, can you introduce yourself, please? Thanks, Bekala. And uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me for the podcast. And it's it's an awesome uh, privilege to meet a great uh, panelist uh, in uh, for this podcast. Uh, my name is Sushan, and uh, like I just uh, recently joined Cools uh, in the BI and data engineering team. So I uh, like I, I joined as a data data engineering manager, and uh, my team and I like we work on the like there are three liquor brands within calls so all the integration and the data bi reporting is uh, done through uh, uh, through my team and uh, like i have about uh, 10 plus uh, years of experience in the data space working in different organizations to uh, achieve what they want in terms of integrations and how the data should look like for the end users thank you thanks Yushan. gavin last but not least uh, good afternoon. Um, I'm Gavin Hullard and uh, I work for Westpac as a senior manager in the metadata services team. I joined about a year ago and prior to that, I was a data governance manager at MLC Life Insurance. I've been in data roles throughout my entire career and previously was a consultant at Informatica a BI architect at the Bank of New Zealand. I lived in Auckland for one and a half years. And before that, was in uh, Tokyo for two and a half years with uh, AIG and TaylorMade Golf. 
in various reporting and enterprise architecture roles and also in London for about four years uh, as an onshore uh, analyst and uh, team lead for BI. I'm quite excited to be here in this podcast. I represent myself, uh, not my employer, and looking forward to today. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Um, let's dive into our first question. The question was put forward to the group by Gavin. The question is, has the changing data landscape and the higher prevalence of cloud-based solution increased or decreased end-user trust in data? Gavin, I'll get you to kick this one off for us, please. Sure. Thanks, Michaela. Uh, many organizations have started looking at cloud solutions or are at various points in their journey on cloud adoption. I think that the cloud drives some, some excitement and engagement from end users as they uh, seek benefits from newer technologies. And I believe the cloud helps answer more questions more quickly if scaled up and helps potentially the user earn a bit more trust in data. Because if there is anything out of whack, they can find it more quickly and raise those questions. And hopefully there's a highly engaged, highly responsive team that then helps answer those questions or fixes issues, if any. And with that, they can probably scale out and uh, have better quality insights delivered to the business. However, I also feel that trust ultimately depends on governance and adoption of governance best practices. Organizations could push a lot of data into the cloud, uh, but um, as we all know, if it's garbage in, it's garbage out. So the quality of data going into the cloud and uh, how usable that data is, how understandable that data is, that also helps a lot in uh, earning user trust. Thank you. Reshma, what are your thoughts? So um, we we need we need consistent access to data, and that increases the trust of quick data that is available when you need it. So the availability of the data via those cloud solutions is uh, what I'm driving to. So from the changing data landscape view and the trust relationship, I see a few things, and and Kevin touched that very well in his. Um, spill too. So he touched quality. So quality around assuring that the products and services meet and exceed exceed those um, expectations. The availability through those cloud solutions, you know, they should be able to enable access um, information and services in a timely manner. Uh, also around the security and the privacy to ensure that all the data are protected and they're kept confidential uh, from a integrity and ethics perspective, they should also leave to their promises with those cloud solutions that they're providing. Um, and also transparency and honesty. So be truthful about how they're managing the data and how it's used and if it's compromised. So that should be transparent about that. And also be resilient to take those steps to ensure that organization stability and agility are maintained. So yes, it, if, if these are maintained through those cloud solutions or the cloud computing we're talking about here, it does increase the end user trust in the organization and the data landscape. Yushan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, Rashma and Gavin uh, kind of touched a lot of the things about trust and data. And I think uh, like my short answer is yes. 
like I would say, like more organizations are moving into the cloud due to the cost factor and the trust of, on services, which is actually backed by a formidable tech team and uh, and an SME and and a, and a formidable SMEs. So that actually uh, the end result is that they can help uh, the technical and the non-technical users uh, to achieve what like uh, achieve the business requirements. And but in terms of uh, the traditional uh, landscape, like you have, you are really dependent on the in-house technical knowledge and and the team to manage uh, the infrastructure and work with the business users to derive requirements uh, for reporting data and everything. Right? This actually limits the uh, the capability of data uh, project and uh, data projected, which. Uh, in turn, have a knock-on effect on the trust and all those things. So I believe that uh, there's more, uh, more, uh, more and more people trusting the cloud, uh, cloud resources to help them out uh, to achieve uh, the end results in data. Austin, do you want to add to that? Yeah, cool. Thanks, Michaela. Um, yeah, I'd probably come at this one um, from a couple of sort of lands. So first off, like, of course, like. Um, the cloud sort of options and solutions. Um, it, you know, I'd probably hit it from a couple of, so the availability and options of the cloud. So, um, the tools and technology that the cloud provides is like makes it easier, more affordable and manageable to access a wider range of data sets than what traditionally businesses have, have actually been able to manage, um, and integrate with, you know, you know, get outside the organization and start to use these rich data sets that are becoming more structured, more organized and more easily accessible. Um, now, of course, that doesn't remove any of the problems um, that have always existed with data around making sure it's governed, it's well managed, it's structured, it's understandable, etc. So, you know, of course, the, and that can become an even bigger challenge because the volume and the and the velocity of that data is larger. So that's one of those gotchas with it. You know, sometimes a bit too much data. Um, so it doesn't negate any of those fundamental practices. But if you get those in place, um, which the cloud, I think, have, makes it much easier to do, then that ability to, you know, not have uh, queued up on a Monday morning when you want your sales reports. Um, so actually embedding that into the business to actually let people use that data rather than having a small group of privileged access users. Um, if they can, you know, use that, rely on that, and uh, have you know those processes in place, like getting that language into the business to actually use that data, actually turns data from being a cost center into a revenue driver, which actually really completely changes the game. I think for a lot of a lot of us, you know, as sort of data and analytics professionals, um, in terms of really being you know an actual profit driver in the business, which always makes it a lot easier to get the more resources for the other projects you want to do too, which is which is pretty awesome. But all of that is built on the assumption that the business trusts the data, it's managed, you know, you've got your processes in place, and then that gives you the right to um, to drive it to the next level. Anyone want to add to that? Yeah, great, all great points. And so one of the uh, thing, th thoughts that also came to my mind was around starting small. With uh, going into cloud, um, focusing on a low-hanging fruit quick use case that can really showcase value um, from uh, one or two or even five data sets. That probably helps in, in a gain a lot of engagement and trust from the end business users. And once you've caught them, latched on to it, then 
probably the user community will ask for more and more and that then helps to organically grow the data warehouse or data mart or data product uh, over the course of a period of time um so i was gonna add on to gavard's point around uh, i think resume you talked around that sort of security and privacy and controls element so that's i think um an essential part with the cloud um and two prongs so one um it, I think it comes from two. So the access that is possible to do within the organization is dramatically improved. If you've got good managed processes around, you know, access to data sets and storage, actually cloud makes that a lot easier to operate at bigger scales than what have been traditionally possible. Um, and then I think that has a flow on impact as well that um, often does, I think doesn't get talked about. If that availability of data in a well-governed and managed way, that's a lot simpler you know, through browsers and through links to things like that, rather than having to log in desktop systems and physically move data onto people's computers, um, that actually knocks off and gives us a pathway to dealing with the shadow sort of cottage industries of um, analytics and use cases that sort of pop up in particularly large organizations of not deliberately, but people trying to, you know, best intentions, um, but can that can really undermine the overall organizational trust in data because you get very different sort of understandings of data sets that build up because of those inconsistent um, processes of the end use of data. I think that's one of those real endpoints that the cloud really opens up to us, getting everyone on the same page, talking the same language. Thanks, everyone. Really great answers to the question. Um, we'll move on to the next one. Um, this question was posed to the group by Austin. BI engineering, data governance, digital analytics, data science, and good old analytics. Lots of specialities and lots of cost. Not a lot of patience and certainly no bottomless pool of resources. What is the right mix of skills and investment to and, and phasing to help drive better decisions from data. Orson, do you want to kick this one off, please? Cool. Thanks, Michaela. It's always that challenge, isn't it? Like where um, who's going to get what of the pie? Um, and that's always that's been an interesting sort of you know, journey for me. Moving guys, a lot of time in consulting, uh, moving internally in consulting. It's always like how much work can we get? You come internally, and it's uh, okay. Well, we. There's an endless demand on us, um, but there's uh, only so many resources that fit inside the budget. So how do, how do we make best use of that and how do we phase that out and grow that overall pie by turning ourselves from a cost center into a revenue center? Um, I think, I, Gavin, was it that you talked about earlier, um, the starting small with a couple of the core data sets and building out from there, I think that's really like pretty critically important. So that starts with obviously you need your core data team to build up and the governance processes around that. But yeah, rather than trying to eat the entire world um, and have a little bit everywhere, focusing on a, you know, a subject area, a data domain, et cetera, those core, what are the core business processes, many of which sort of you know, most organizations have, but really start to build on those, get those available to everyone um, across the business. Um, I think is you know, pretty critical. Um, and then that really opens up to getting everyone starting to talk on that sort of same language, start to drive that data. So rather than just managing the data, storing the data, um, then turning that into insights, turning those insights into understanding, turn that into understanding into action. Um, so it's, a, you know, like everything in life, it's a bit of a blend, a bit of from column A to column B. 
I'm from the analytics side of the data and analytics world. So I'd obviously say analytics is pretty important, but there's no point hiring a bunch of rockstar data scientists because um, they're all going to run off to the data engineering team and just overflow, overflow them there or they're going to make lots of little models that can't be sort of put into production, scaled and managed. So it, you need to grow the team evenly across um, the different sort of data set, data skills and domains um, in order to get results. Um, but I think it's, it, it's critically important never to go too heavy into one area or another area, which interestingly, back in my consulting life, like was something you would actually really frequently see. Maybe you had a, a manager that was particularly good at like you know, selling a particular narrative or they were good at explaining a, a business problem, et cetera, or they'd been there for a long time. Whatever it was, there's lots of reasons why that happens. But the imbalance of structure in teams across businesses is one of those funny things in the industry that I think is probably more common than not common um, in areas. So getting everyone sort of working as a collective team mm -hmm. um, is, I think, pretty pretty important there. Um, probably the last one I'd sort of make um, on in terms of that allocation is I think I think we head off into how do you be effective um, with the investments across data? A lot of organisations, you know, will put it, you know, the the te technical, like the technology side, so the engineers um, off in IT and the analysts that are spread throughout the business. Um, I've always found that works much better as a collective data analytics offering so that you can work as cross-functional teams really closely together. Or if those you know, structural alignments sit, then making sure that everyone's actually, it doesn't matter about reporting lines, as long as you're working on project teams, then that's, I think, pretty critical to actually breaking down those silos and and you know getting everyone coming to the table and to deliver like, actual meaningful impact for the broader organisation. Reshma? Yeah, thank you. Um, Austin has um, covered it so well. My spiel and just it's just an add-on to what Austin just said. So for me, it's um, just like any team, you can't have pool of resources working silo or working without understanding the impact they have on each other, right? Data enablement team with data analytics team or outside of the data and analytics team, et cetera, with you know, data owners and so on. So data teams and data leaders are like any other business in an organization to have the right resource to effectively run a data function. And it starts from the top, the executives, the boards, all of them having the understanding that any um, organization and their decision-making is based on data. So the right mix then is to have the right resources, the right tools, the right budget, or the right seat in, uh, for the data team in the right forums. Uh, an accurate investment in your data office or your data teams to assist the organization in driving those better data-driven decisions. Yeah, really great points, uh, Austin and uh, Reshma. In terms of the question also around skills, what are those skills that uh, would add value to the organization? For the past 17 plus years, SQL, I believe, has been one of those key skills which help people wrangle data sets together and uh, help the business answer a lot of uh, questions. And we see different organizations focus on a number of tools and languages. There was quite a lot of excitement around uh, R and Python and uh, a number of other uh, scripting languages. Uh, but from past experience, it seems SQL is now 
at the forefront. And it seems even traditional data modeling is making a bit of a comeback, which really helps improve understandability of uh, data sets and really helps present data sets in a way that uh, the business can understand. And so traditional data modeling is also perhaps a skill that is now making a good uh, you know, return to the market. Now, we were speaking earlier about data engineers and data scientists, which brings us to the point around aspiration. Data science has been, or the data scientist uh, has been put on the pedal still as a sexiest job of the 21st century. But where does that leave data engineers uh, and data uh, data analysts and data governance uh, teams? So there is a lot of aspiration. And that's where skill rotation uh, will help, would potentially help break down silos. So if there are data engineers, they may also want to know, hey, what are the data scientists doing? Can we also have a piece of the pie? Can we understand what you guys do better so that we can help serve you better and also pick up a few skills along the way? That probably helps break down barriers, improve communication and help ultimately with better outcomes for the business. Yeah, this is an interesting question, Austin. Um, like uh, I've been working with uh, small, medium, large and like uh, large organizations um, and you like uh, all three of you have just uh, put put forth a lot of uh, good points in how to uh, get uh, like uh, how to look at the break the silos uh, start small and uh, work your way through uh, the the through the data teams but like uh, one of the things that uh, i've seen is like especially in small and medium organization they struggle with the right combination because due to the budget constraints and all those things and even like large organization though they have budget but they have they might uh, struggle with a bit of alignment in what is required so like uh, uh, it boils down to understanding what an organization is trying to achieve i think that is one thing that 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 really need like uh, boils down then we can just uh, kind of uh, use it as a foundation and then build the data teams uh, the teams accordingly like one of the good example uh, in my past life is that like i was called upon to implement a crm and uh, what they wanted is that because the current crm was not working properly and they were not giving the proper data that is required so initially when i just went went through uh, they said that okay they want a kind of a same like to like copy of the CRM and, and to work on. And I was just uh, going through the, like uh, analyzing what is required. And I found that there are like, there are different departments working in silos and they like, they all do almost the same kind of job, but, uh, but they do it a bit differently. So what, like initially what I did was just to uh, kind of uh, create a, a full business analyst and just a business alignment to f- figure out what is the requirement and what is the data that, that what is the end result of data that, that you require so that actually helped me to derive and say that okay these are the resources needed and these these what we are going to achieve to achieve this and these are the things that that is uh, that we want to work through so i think uh, my take on this is that it 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 is situational depending on the organizational needs like we we like uh, it uh, if we have a proper identified uh, requirement then we can just build the the skilled matrix accordingly thanks everyone um we'll move on to our next question this question was posed to the group by yushan 
lack of organizational buy-in. Even if we get better data projected, how can we drive the business to use it and get value out of it? Yishan, you're up. Yeah, uh, throughout my uh, career, I've, I've worked in a few companies. Um, I see some of the a few patterns that contributes to this. Like uh, actually, like uh, four highlighted points. I'll just uh, go through. It's just one of the main thing is that the low executive sponsorship or buy-in. So, uh, like executive sponsorship and buy-in always be. Uh, it is a key de- determining factor whether the rest of the team will use it. So, like if the key decision maker within your organization are not committed to embrace the data, how will you convince the? Uh, how will you convince everyone else to use it? Uh, like there is a good uh, survey that that uh, that they uh, the talent did in 2021, and they said that uh, like 36 of the 36 percent of the executives are setting up wrong example by relying on intuition to make majority of their decision. So the key takeaway on this is that the leader who will lead by example. We need to get a sponsor like that so that the rest of the people will just. Uh, come into line uh, in in this. And the other one is the lack of strat- uh, strategic uh, alignment. It's a bit of a, a skewed uh, from the uh, question, but then again, it's in- important. Uh, if your goal is to drive better business outcome uh, with data, what be measured and reported uh, by your analytic system must be closely aligned with your business strategy. Uh, without well-defined data strategy, uh, there there's a high likelihood that people won't have the relevant, useful data they need for their roles and responsibilities. A moment the data uh, isn't tied in your key business objectives or, or key priorities, you invite people to make important decisions without it. And the other, other thing is that uh, weak data literacy. Like uh, one of the uh, studies done by Accenture at Click, uh, they said that uh, there are about 21% of the workers are fully confident of data literacy skills, which can be defined on ability to read, understand, question, uh, question, uh, and work with data. Uh, even though employees increase uh, have more uh, data in their fingertips, 75, 74% express feeling an overwhelming or unhappy when working with data without ample training and support people will struggle to embrace something they don't understand and find it, it, it they find it intimidating and the last point that i want to uh, uh, put forth is the poor change management that's one of the things like uh, one of the key factors where like when there's a data change or like uh, this is like if you are shifting for a data driven uh, organization like it's a significant shift in the uh, employees right and there should be proper communication proper training uh, proper like uh, like uh, people should be given uh, a, a way ahead saying that these are the things that we are looking at so one of the main key things is that uh, overlook uh, is the communication in these kind of changes so, yeah. Those were really great points, Ushan, around executive buy-in, change management, uh, training. 
Uh, and to add on to that, um, I noted down a few points here. How do we really get that increased buy-in? When we present a lot of data to the business um, via dashboards or various other mechanisms, I believe measuring uh, all that all that viewing, all that usage and adoption is uh, one way forward. So if you've got a dashboard out there, knowing how many views are there on that dashboard, who's viewing them, what are the departments that the dashboard uh, is you know, consumed by, and what are the personas? Are they being, if it's an insurance company, are they being consumed by uh, a claims um, you know, officer? Is that a department you know, manager? Are they looking at uh, performance of uh, uh, you know, operational uh, efficiency? So tying those dashboards to use cases and to personas, I believe that would help. And then uh, around data literacy, this is where metadata management and data governance probably helps. Um, you know, having all those guides and having a lot of uh, integrated uh, descriptive information, uh, information in the dashboards, um, that I believe would uh, really help uh, the end users uh, and potentially even help with executive buy-in as there is that single source of truth in those dashboards. And the point you raised around training, uh, end-user training uh, to, uh, to large audiences and training packs, that helps to an extent. But even individual sessions, uh, finding out the right people who have been viewing those dashboards a lot or not viewing the dashboards, and then asking them and really listening and hearing out what they have to say. I believe that also helps drive a lot of positive change uh, to improve buy-in and help with positive outcomes. Thank you. Um, I have worked with um, executives and um, very senior manage, uh, members who report after report are being given, yet the data story is so poorly displayed that sometimes even those uh, in very powerful positions don't know what to do with the data and um, how it all fits in the problems they're having. So uh, I also um, support the uh, discussion we're having on the data literacy. So data literacy is very key um, and a lot of organizations have started to spend more in that space now. Um, Ushan also mentioned about the data strategy. Um, I would also say to aligning it to business strategy or the business aligning it to the, what the data strategy is driving. Um, and if your goal is to drive better business outcomes with data, what is being measured and reported by your analytics systemically aligned with those business strategies. Um, then comes the, the trusted data. Um, organization's data should be enough to be used effectively to drive value from it. It's um, very, very difficult to make much progress with your data initiatives when people don't have faith in your numbers. Um, you know, say due to your data quality issues. Uh, while data may keep changing, people need to have some set, certain level of confidence that the underlying data is accurately reflecting what's happening. Um, we uh, also spoke about the siloed approach. So it's very hard to get that consolidated view that was mentioned before. Uh, it's very hard to get that consolidated view within a single business area. And it's even harder then to establish a single version of the truth across the enterprise. And 
as a result, the organizations can't ensure its people are then pulling in the same direction. So get the teams together who share data, get the data owners and the producers and the stewards and executives to get a single vision of truth so you can trust your data and drive value and then get better results. Cool. Um, Reshma, to build on to that last point that you were talking about there, like that that aligned view, uh, that's the sort of thing an area that it's interesting. Yeah, I think um, cus- uh, customers are a good one. Like a lot of business metrics are often a bit easier to define, you know, like businesses like have, you know, EBIT and they have like sort of, you know, like um, stock turns and things like that. There's some good foundational metrics. Um, an area that I've found, you know, in um, my consulting life, um, in current role, et cetera, um, is across around the customer. Like a lot of this like new cub world is like leaning to customer, customer, customer. Um, so how do we understand the customer? We're a customer-centric organization, all that sort of stuff. And yet when you go and talk to the marketing team, they'll have a different set of segmentation or they'll have one set of segmentation and then the digital team have a different view of that. And then the, you know, it could be the sort of the strategy team has a different view, whatever. There's not actually a single definition of those things. So how do we as, you know, uh, as, a, as a, um, an industry sort of help help build around like go in there and actually create that unified language for the business and now the fact that we're able to manage the whole data process and build that up is actually that's a pretty critical role we can play is start to build that aligned way of talking so that when you talk about a customer group from marketing through to um you know like customer service through to you know like the senior execs actually know what the hell you're talking about um, I think that's a really critical one in terms of bringing that sort of piece together. So it's a great point you sort of pulled up there. Um, another one in terms of how do we actually drive, so how do we drive um, organizational change and get people to actually you know, make better decisions with that data? You know, so if we're putting all this work to improve the data, how do we actually use that? So that's like applying our actual data. So an area that I've um, found um really important to look at and go for is not expecting the business to change around us um you know so go okay we're doing a thing you know you might have maybe a consultant group comes in and does one of those 12 weeks use case things which is you know wow look at this look what we can do in 12 weeks we can change the world um and then it's like oh there's just production hell or a you know steaming pile of technical debt that gets left behind and so it raises these um the the expectations really high and actually the reality of what it takes to get this stuff you know into production and going through um, and actually evolve over time because that's really where the the actual return comes that's not from the 12-week use case um, so doing that sort of thing is not expecting the business to flex around you and, and the way it's easiest to operate or to work on this POC. It's going, how do we build things and put them into existing business processes? How do we fit into the way the organization actually currently operates today there's probably good reasons it operates like that today can you make them better 100 percent. yeah can you enhance the way that they're applying that and giving them information to make better decisions absolutely um and i always and i found when you do that and you get in there and like go oh could we make that better what's a better way to do it etc you know not never ask them oh, what would you like and then deliver that because that's never a recipe for success a lot of nods on that one um so you know what is the real business problem you're wanting to solve and how do we make your life easier 
and that links back to that sort of singular understanding. It's like, okay, so rather than, you know, we'll go do a new, you know, sort of clustered segmentation model and then shove that in and we've got whole new definitions of customer that no one's ever talked about, heard about, and actually, you know, they might not at you in a meeting, but they're not actually going to know how to do anything with it because it doesn't align with the stuff that they've been talking about for years, right? So I think that's a really, really um, critical piece. And then, Gavin, I think you also, you talked about those personas of user. That's, I think, pretty critical to like get down as you're sort of going and building out um, that sort of data set. Cool, you're bringing it in, but then how do we package this up to the appropriate level? You know, how do we, for the analysts and the you know, SQL users or sort of our path and whatever, how do we make nice, easy to work with friendly, you know, analytics ready data sets you know, that don't require seven joins to create a standard metric, that sort of thing, because yeah, that dramatically reduces the time to value um, in terms of them doing their work. So that's you know, your advanced analyst persona. Then how do you, what's the right level to get it out in terms of the BI tools? So not, you know, point and shoot dashboards. I don't think they're, they're appropriate in some instances, but actually how do you go, where is that work, that sort of customer centric stuff to go, what are people actually doing in their day job? And how do we build out, you know, large set, you know, big, you know, a couple of tent pole um, BI tools or access tools that actually are a bit more like a, a diagnostic um, dashboard sort of thing, rather than just, oh, I read some metrics or how do I drill down and stuff. There's a lot of work that goes into building that up, but if we really, do some you know custom you know work with our sort of end users on the personas of those then we can probably accommodate a lot of that in the dashboard rather than them having to go we do all this work on this kick-ass dashboard and the first thing they do is export to excel um so getting those user personas right um and then building the appropriate tools um is i think really really critical to them actually leveraging us getting a return from all that you know really important foundational work to improve govern manage and create those underlying data sets awesome thanks everybody really great contributions to that one um we'll move on to our final question which was posed to the group by reshma um the question was how are trust and data related reshma thank you well, we have been using data for years and we have enough evidence and research now to support that trust in data or trusting your data leads to benefits or it will have adverse impact to your organization. So organization's data that can be trusted leads to positive um, reputational value to the organization. There is more reliable data, which leads to effective decision-making. There's also customer loyalty, which remains strong where data is reliable and trusted. Um, there's faster innovation due to confidence in the technology and system. And ultimately, all this leads to higher revenue for the organization. Now, those uh, where you have the adverse um, impact and those organizations that ignore these often experience the consequences, which is that they have slow ability to innovate. There's a negative impact on the revenue, uh, less reliable data for decision-making, which is not a very good thing for an organization. There's also, you know, you start losing customers. There's more breaches and incidents um, and ultimately the reputational impact uh, for the organization. So data is the lifeblood. It's the gold of an organization. Trust is having to make all the decisions based on that 
data that is presented to leaders or your leadership team, your governance committees, your councils, your board, etc. So, you know, you need to trust your data. Um, and data and trust means having confidence that your organization's data is healthy and it's ready to act on. And um, trust is one of the keys to making successful use of your data. And combined with culture and agility, it leads the organization to achieve a greater data health. It's great, Reshma. To add on to that, in terms of trusting data, ideally executives should actually look at the data and really look at some examples of customer feedback. Um, you mentioned earlier around, uh, you know, customer companies potentially losing revenue if they don't uh, trust the data. And the, the, a good example perhaps there is um, if there is a, uh, a company that often gets negative reviews from customers because a process is broken somewhere, it's incredibly important for the um, department managers and the executives to really look at all that feedback, which might be free text from a CRM system and then take actions upon that. Going through that cycle perhaps will increase trust in the data and probably help drive a number of initiatives to help plug revenue gaps, reduce uh, customer churn and improve profitability. I agree uh, to the point like uh, so basically I, I just want to add a, a small uh, skew on this. Uh, I think uh, trust and good data goes hand in hand because like uh, one of the things is that trust goes hand in hand with data and actually anyone can provide data but then again like you should have good uh, data which is consistent uh, that people can make decision out of that so that that will lead to a trust in the data that you get so these actually like uh, i would like to quote something from uh, james uh, doyle of uh, Krim global uh, what, the, what he was saying is like sharing data once is easy Sharing data in an ongoing basis as a part of a business process is more difficult and challenging. So that that is because that that will uh, bring out uh, the fact that you need to provide good data, consistent data, and that that will lead up to the trust of the team to make decisions out of it. So, like uh, Data Trust uh, promotes facilitate data sharing amongst organizations by ensuring the trust in the rules, data security, confidentiality, and the privacy. So I think those are the things, the key factors that is uh, on that. And to build on what you're saying, Yushan, I think there's that internal view. So what's the customer? So there's like internally, there's our customers, like our stakeholders that we work with. That's one view of the customer. And like in terms of their trust in the data, that's like our ticket to ride, right? Like that's why we're in the room. That's why we're there. Like if we don't have that sort of process running through and like those focus on that, then yeah, but there's no point even having any any discussion. So I think that's like kind of just that critical element and trust breeds trust and then trust breeds application and use. 
The other way of looking at that is uh, other average sum, I think Reshma and, and Gavin, you both touched on it there, is that the external customers of the organization, you know, whatever they may take the form of, uh, there's nothing more annoying than going to an organization and you call like something on the website and then you ring them on the call center. They got no record of it. It goes backwards and forwards. Then you get spammed endlessly, like when you're like browsing the internet when they're like, because they haven't got frequency caps or whatever. So those siloed like or channel specific, like, like implement. Yeah, applications of data i think that's actually i know it gets talked about a lot a lot of organizations don't do it well but i think like in recent years particularly like maybe covid really helped push this along a bit you know like you know the amount of econ piece and people saw how difficult some of that stuff was organizations really need to that customer you know language or a customer first that should be making it easy to easy to actually interact with your organization easy to engage with you as a customer like actually i think it's always like a, a critical element of uh, any organization's brand and customer experience that actually it's e it, the customer shouldn't see this department that department or this bit here that bit there it should feel like you're talking to the brand or you know to use sort of marketing parlance but yeah it's it's a i think it's really critical to that I, i'm talking to this business they know me they can do this you should know that you should know this i go in store have i got this return or whatever it is that, that i think that's utterly essential to any sort of organization moving forwards and the, the ones that can do that more quickly and seamlessly it just removes friction from the entire process um that's one of the things i that I always sort of think about, you know, a lot of us big in retail is always like, oh, how's Amazon going this here? I think that's one of the things that they do so well is just they have, yes, they're a pure play sort of piece, so it's a bit easier for them compared to legacy organizations, but they just like, it's a singular record, everything's like connected in, it's nice and simple and easy to deal with. I personally can't stand their website. It's like something that's from the 90s. Um, but geez, Dick, you find yourself going back there because it's easy, it's simple, it's quick. How do we as organizations use that customer pressure? Because if we think from the back end of what we're going to do from how we work with stakeholders across different business units, how we, the data processes and structures that need to sit to underline that, like there's a lot of work that has to go in place to actually turn that into reality easy to say to say a slide deck hard to, a lot of hard work and continual application to bring it to life but i think it's an exciting area for us as um in our industry is actually you know, i think there's more and more understanding of the processes to do this and more and more understanding of the criticality in terms of you know building that trust with customers externally and then that creates that trust internally and alignment um Great points. And I've got an example relating to what Austin mentioned uh, now. Recently, I had to call up an airline 22 times to get a refund. And each time I had to say my entire story again and again. And I was again transferred from department to department. And each time I was transferred, I had to say the same story again. And so by the end of the 20th call, I, I had given up faith on humanity almost. <laughs> And I told the story to some of my friends and they also mentioned that when you know, working or dealing with telecom companies for you know, refunds uh, or similar customer requ requests, they all had a similar kind of experience. And that's I believe where the interplay of data and process and the orchestration of all that 
uh, that really is something perhaps companies should focus on so that they don't lose customers. And Kevin, to take that, and you'd know that there'd be different MPS scores like on each of those different processes that are unlinked, et cetera. So then people are making decisions. Oh, my little channel's like working perfectly, but it's actually missing the bigger picture. That's where that's like, so it's frustrating for the customer. But if those systems are like that in orchestration for the customers, you know that the decisions they're making off the back of that internally are also completely based off bad and, and irrelevant data as well. Yeah. And in this example, I never got a feedback form. And uh, when I called the call center first, they asked us to uh, press one for refund. And so when I do uh, press one for refund, uh, the call gets disconnected. They say, please go to the website and submit your refund request. But then I went to the website and I don't get the option to submit a refund because I initially booked this via a travel agent. But the travel agent uh, then tells me, oh, you've got to go to the airline to ask for the refund. And so a lot of ping pong. <laughs> and after a lot of frustrated attempts, I finally managed to get what I wanted, <laughs> the refund. So yeah, companies really need to focus on that customer journey and use data to really help the customer, which in turn will magnify revenues and uh, customer loyalty. I think you you touched on a good point, Gavin. Like most of the times, like even like any most of the calls, uh, let me take, like you take you transfer, like it's all siloed. So there's no uh, big picture. There's no connectivity. There's no proper handover from one one place to another. So I think, uh, as you said, Austin, like they would look at their. Uh, KPIs or the data and all those things, but they would look at the big picture. I think that is what is missing on most of the stuff. Most of the stuff. Yeah, and uh, and one other element to take us full circle back to your first question, Gavin, in terms of like the role that cloud plays for us in in some of this. So that internal pieces, like you do this stuff internally in like internal systems. Pretty, you know, you could could always do this like hard, complex, you know, expensive. Um, cloud brings that down in terms of you know, the ability to sort of link and integrate more easily um, at a bigger scale and quickly once you've got the general core processes set up um, but also to take that out to your other partners so not just within your own walls like your other partners in your own ecosystem like in the very few organizations like live by themselves you have partners suppliers uh, vendors that you work with like I think that's the other element of cloud like the ability to actually stitch that piece together like that's the possibility that it does bring hard work to do it but actually I think that's one of the super exciting elements that it's it's getting easier and easier and easier to work with a coalition of organizations um, than was in the past yeah. does anybody have anything else to add all good from Mason Awesome. We'll leave it there for now. I want to thank you all for joining me on the podcast and providing such interesting insights surrounding the topic, using data to drive business decisions. Thank you all for listening, and I look forward to catching you next time on the Evolution Exchange podcast. Mm-hmm.